0: Are you in it for love? Are you in it for fame? Are you in it for the cheese and the glory? You got 30 minutes to prove your worth Will you medal? call yourself in the glory? The clock comes down
1: Guest on this episode of Steaming Heats is former Northern Beaches surfer Luke Steadman. Now located in Byron Bay where he lives with his wife and kids, Steads will probably be a familiar name to many of our listeners. He's the son of the great surf industry titan Shane Steadman, famous for the Shane pop-outs that most kids in Australia owned at one point or another in the, what was that, 60s maybe? Early 70s? Crikey. Shane also invented the Ugg boot. True story. Believe it. Luke came into professional surfing during the big Sydney City junior push of the mid to late 90s. Guys like Dave O, Ozzy Wright, Luke Hitchings, Nathan Webster, Nathan Hedge. Big, big push. Tommy Whittaker, Richie Lovett. Uh, a lot of crew coming out of Sydney beaches at that time. During the pre-internet boom, this uh, pretty good looking rooster with an eye for cutting edge fashion, maybe ahead of its time, was a surf mag mainstay. Picked up covers, plenty of spreads, and good bucks writing for style conscious brands like Quicksilver, Mambo, and Insight. But he also filled pages of tracks, Surfing Life and Waves, with explosive long-limb power game that was testament really to his commitment and determination to put in more work than some of his more talented rivals. In addition to that, he was also the guy blowing a gasket in the LA Cola TV commercial. And of course, he played Shanghai Sex. A juiced up, fashion mincer version of himself in the classic surf film, if I may say so myself, dope Youth. But despite his good looks, good taste in clobber, Steads was also an accomplished professional surfer in an era that was and remains one of the most competitive in the history of professional surfing. He qualified for the tour in 2003, got that front row seat to the Kelly Andy battle royale years. But he stayed on tour for a remarkable seven seasons after that. Getting, I think his best result, a Bells Beach semi-final. So you've got to wonder, you know, what was it like for guys like Steeds in those years? How did they find their way and earn their place amongst those titans? And how did they make their mark? And then in addition to that, what sort of personal journey did Steadsy experience in those seven years competing on the ASP and WSL World Tours? Uh, Stedman's a really dear friend of mine, had a, a great pleasure sharing a lot of this journey with him, so uh, I hope you enjoy this chat, Steaming Heats, with Luke Stedman. With ah, well it's been a long, long time coming, long time listener, first time caller, uh, dear friend of mine, Luke Stedman, welcome to Steaming Heats mate, here you go.
2: Well, thank you very much, Vaughn. I'm excited to be here. I'm excellent. Thank you.
1: Ah, <laughs> uh, mate. I knew I was just going to get rays of sunshine and burst of positivity <laughs> when you came in. Steads, um, yeah, just uh, fresh back from the swellness weekend. Uh, you put on a, a black ball surf class or clinic down there. Uh, pretty challenging conditions, mate. The uh, rain was bucketing down. The, I mean, we, we got tested heavily, but... It was just fantastic to see people, you know, tapping into to what you had to offer. I felt like the movement classes in particular were really connecting with people. Um, we had a, a few different sort of types of surf based uh, movement and strength going on. There was Nick Laidlaw with balance, then Gerlach, obviously with wave key. But I felt like everyone has, you know, whatever their their philosophy is behind it or whatever. Like it all leads to improving your surfing, and. Um, Tell us a bit about that, mate. You know, first of all, your experience of the weekend and then, you know, how you got into this, this training.
2: The weekend was epic. Yeah. Like we knew we were challenged with the weather. We knew the, the signs were written all over the news that were just coming on every five minutes about how wet it was going to be and how much water was going to come down. But, I, you know, with every, like you said, it kind of blessed us in the, in the, in the, in the pre-event, you were warming up saying that the, the rain gods, have they cursed us or blessed us? But they, they, cur- they, they blessed us really because we had this group of people who were just hungry for information, well, dedicated, they were committed and everyone there, which was still a pretty solid turnout, wasn't it? It was packed.
1: Yeah. I mean, f- we were hoping for kind of like around 150. I think we had about 130. So. Yeah. Yeah. We Absolutely. were really close to where we wanted to be. And that's amazing considering that downpour. No,
2: it was, it was a, it was a, a tri- uh, like a, it was a, everyone who came was like a, it was a, it was a real kind of testament to how much they wanted to be there, mm. which is awesome. So we had this great energy around people who were very excited to be there. And I was fortunate enough to be invited by you guys, which I was excited about. And yeah, I, my I like to make a real clear connection between the moves that we do um, on land to build strength and mobility. I like there to be a correlation between those moves and the moves we do in the water. Mm. So when we say it's uh, surf specific exercises to help build strength and mobility, it really is. And there's a correlation there. And then people can have... the hardest thing with surfing sometimes is just giving yourself permission to actually tr- adventure into the unknown, mm. um, trying something new. Uh, we kind of get into that sort of um, rigmarole of just doing the similar thing wave after wave after wave, and sort of being unconscious through the process a little. So this way, I bring a little bit of consciousness to the to the to the moves. There's a bit more articulation there, and then there's a a, a, a confidence of being able to actually try it in the surf. Mm. Um, with surfing, it's it's so challenging to do anything. Like we don't get a lot of opportunity. Um, it, surfing is a multi-directional movement on an unstable surface, so it's really, really hard. Mm. That's why surfing so hard. And then with limited opportunity, it's even more challenging. So I want to make sure people are, are down to or can do and can go for these new turns. Yeah.
1: Yeah, and uh, I, I think, you know, being what i'm 46 now i could feel myself just by by being conscious of like pulling my body a little bit further around like getting a little bit lower like understanding where my legs are real basic stuff man but things if you're not thinking about it you've got no hope of improving hey? no and also like being able to strengthen those areas because soon as you stretch beyond the point of comfort you can feel areas of weakness. So, like, you know, like, you, you feel that little bit of strain in your back. Like, it's not necessarily about pushing yourself in the class but understanding your body so that when you want to do these things in the surf, everything's sort of engaged and ready to go rather than just, like, you know, throwing it out there and just going, i just pinging off and <laughs> your knee goes, your back goes, everything's fucked, you know? So, yeah, I just love that, mate. Um, uh, How did you get into this? Because uh, I know that... Yeah, <laughs> you like your old man and uh, we'll, we'll sort of uh, tell a bit of your backstory in a sec, but you know, you came from uh, seven years on tour, uh, straight into what, fashion design for a while, uh, sort of worked your way through that industry, but did find fitness fairly fairly soon after, I'd say, uh, when you moved to LA and you ended up being like a bit of a trainer to the stars, right? You had like all sorts, like Cody Simpson, <laughs> pre-Olympic uh, bid getting his sort of physicality worked out. You had Jared Butler, Gerard Butler, the, uh, you know, guy from chasing Mavericks and the 300. He needed work, mate. (laughs) You seen the 300? (laughs) Jesus. But, uh, yeah. So, I mean, what was sort of exciting for you about moving into that space?
2: Well, I've always been like, a like I trained so hard when I was on tour. Like I really put a hundred percent effort into the physical side of, of being as strong as I could be. Uh, just because I had to, because because everyone was surfing so well, and mm. I was kind of, I was coming from, I was coming from behind. I was a bit older than everyone. Like I didn't qualify till I was twenty six, and I was competing against like Mick and Joel and Dean and Kelly and Andy, and there was just so many good surfers. So I really had to make sure I had every area covered: physical, mental, spiritual. Um, so I love to train. I love physical training. So that was a big, that's a big part of me. And then when I finished tour, I did dive into the to the fashion world and it was really challenging it was super hard uh it was great experience but ha- was happy to kind of cl- close the door on that chapter move on and mm. I just sort of fell into surf coaching like I was in LA and uh someone asked me to take their groms for a surf and I said yeah absolutely and it just sort of steamrolled from there and after that break of being off tour doing something that I hadn't done before um doing something that was really hard work and it kept me away from the ocean I felt like it was I wanted to get back into it. I wanted mm. to be part of the ocean. I wanted to reconnect with kind of really my DNA. Like I was born around surf culture with my dad and everything. So yeah, I wanted to get back there. And then I just, yeah, I got, I was so fortunate. I got to work with like Mike D from the BC Boys who became a close friend and work with his kids and work with a couple, bunch of schools. And actually the, the kids were my like most enjoyable kind of part of the surf coaching because mm. they're so... just get so excited and i love connecting with them i think that was the biggest thing for me like i missed the connection and i kind of get more stoked about seeing them achieve a goal and get so psyched and big smiles and that's kind of what really gets me up and Mm. wants to coach and same with physical training like helping people reach their goals essentially
1: yeah sick all right man Well, uh, that's a little bit of a window before we move on. Just uh, blackball surf training. Like if people want to tap into it and and get to know it, what's the best way for them to do that?
2: You can, I've got a website, surfblackball.com.
1: Surfblackball. Yep. Okay. Surf blackball peeps.
2: Yeah. <laughs> blackball surf. So that's, that's what you can't you can't surf when there's a black ball in the stuff. Yeah. Because a lot of it's around like stuff that you do on land prior to surfing. Yeah, okay, cool. And we originally started it when the pandemic hit. We couldn't get in the water. So we did this 30-day free challenge. Mm. And it was like it's like come and do 30 days of training. We're all in lockdown. And it was black we were blackballed essentially. We couldn't even go outside and we were yeah. in LA. So yeah, we had a well, we were expecting like thirty people to join. We had over a thousand. And it was epic, huge community, everyone online, everyone yeah. training, just trying to keep the positive vibes going through a kind of shit time.
1: Mm. Yeah. Uh, well, that's awesome. Okay, there you go. Black ball surf. Yeah. <laughs> epic, mate. Thanks. All right, man. Well, uh, look, you've got such an interesting story. I, when I was going back over, I mean, you and I have been good mates for a long, long time. We, we met when we were probably around 17, um, yep. had a lot of the same mutual friends. You were growing up just at Mona Vale. I'd relocated to work on Surf Mags down at uh, South Narrabeen. Uh, But we really moved in the same circle. So I got to watch you go from, you know, uh, someone who has just starting to get your first sponsors, really, like a a bit more industry support. You'd had no real junior career to speak of. Uh, And then you basically just had to work your ass off to sort of catch up to all those crew who had been surfing against each other for a long time. And your peer group's kind of Chris Davidson... Uh Luke Hitchings, Ozzy Wright, uh who else was in that group?
2: Tommy Whitaker, um, uh from the South Side and then um there's uh, there's so many people. It yeah. was just like I mean it was, it was an unbelievable. Richard Breeze, Danny city Dallas, those guys though. were like Dayan Neve, Kai Otten. There was yeah. a huge oh then of course you had the slightly elder generation, Nathan Webster, Richie Lovett, those guys were yeah, they were who were hedgy... That's right. It's a big list.
1: Yeah, and that was a big push out of Sydney. Sydney had had a kind of a a little bit of a slow period, but um, it was really pushing out of the beaches again. Yeah. But you're from a famous surfing family, of course. Your uh, dad, Shane, was like an industry titan his entire life. I mean, still now the name Shane is well known in Australia. Uh, He was like far out. His surfboard company employed for the very first time. People like Terry Fitzgerald and Simon Anderson. He was a beach commentator, a surf reporter on major radio stations. Uh, He invented the Ugg boot, (laughs) which is just (laughs) fucking mad. But, um, you know, like for all of that surf that you grew up with, like why weren't you pushed into competition when this this guy had been around it for so long and, and, you know, really like was in the thick of it for a long, long time. He was calling those early pro pro events the uh, Coke surf about and all those events in Sydney.
2: Yeah, that's a really good question, actually, Vaughn. And I remember going to those events and watching those, you know, the those events back on video. when it was that Manley and Larry Blair and Sean Thompson. Oh, sorry. yeah, Wayne like Lynch. Lynch were fighting. They redid the heat because it was a it was it was a, that was the wildest thing that's yeah. ever happened. They tied on the fur the, on the end of the day three or whatever, and then held the event the next day, and it was six to eight foot and pumping mm. like. So I was I was around competition a lot but I didn't have like this real competition drive like a lot of like my f- peers did at that point and I wasn't really psyched on competing a lot and it wasn't until I got a little older when I realized that you know surfing's where I wanted to be and I wanted to be with my peers and I thought I was I had the I had the ability to get there Um, that's when I really committed and it was, that wasn't until like at the end of my junior career when I was like Mm. 19, 20. Um, and then I just went kind of hard and then I just put in the time, put in the energy and yeah, after five long years on the QS, I managed to qualify, but it it took some time.
1: Yeah. Did Shano ever sort of tell you when you were a Grom? Like, you know, uh, the, the way I was sort of picturing it was that he was like the guys who work at Google and, and Apple and Facebook, you know, the ones who go, oh, fuck, my kids will never own a phone because they know <laughs> what's really going on. Was he like privy to all the shenanigans of the surf industry going, maybe just head over here into organic farming, mate?
2: <laughs> yeah, definitely. No, he 100%, he encouraged me to, I mean, I, he was like telling me to to find a um, career path more involved with uh, like journalism mm-hmm. and because he was essentially, he's a journalist, he did, like he said, he spent a lot of time on the radio. He was, he was good at being able to um, discover a story and talk about it, and that was that was kind of like what he was best at doing. He loves a good story, he still oh, does. Doesn't he? Um, so he he wanted me to go into that direction, but and then also I don't really know how much faith he was kind of had at the time, like just because I wasn't really that hungry for it, so. You know, as parents, you sort of really want to push your kids into things that they want to do and you don't want to be too forceful if they're not that interested. Mm. You want to encourage them to do it if they want to. And it kind of, I think you just, I think, at hindsight, I think he did the right thing. He just sort of let me over time say, Dad, no, I want to really do this now. Mm. And I was a lot more mature when I got to a point where where I needed to compete well and qualify where a lot of the guys that I did compete with, like I remember like Richard breeze and Danny Shallis and Davo, those guys would win everything in the, in the junior days. Uh, and then Davo was the only one that went on and Richie and Danny who were killing it. They just sort of like, they found new paths or they weren't interested or they were surfed out. So mm. I, I, I was hungry when I got to that point. So yeah. I think that worked in my favor. Mate,
1: seven years on tour. Like, that is a feat in itself, you know? Like, And during probably one of the most competitive and domineering eras, you know, in terms of those big dogs just not sharing the spoils. You know, you're surfing a lot in that period of your career for, you know, quarters at best a lot of the time. Um, Not just you, but a a big chunk of, of the tour because Kelly was at his absolute prime or coming back into his prime. Andy was there. Let's get stuck in your career, man. Um, First CT heat. Uh, Where was it? Did did you surf any wild cards or did you surf any...
2: Nah, I got no wild cards. (laughs) (laughs) Nothing handed to me Nah, I got no...
1: So what was your first CT? must have been Snapper then.
2: Yeah, Snapper. I remember it vividly, mate. I was so excited. This
1: is 2003, by the way. So like, this is the year that no one saw coming. This is like Kelly and Andy, the big year and... At the start of that year, you've obviously got dreams, uh, yeah.
2: Yeah, I Walk had. Walk us through it. I, I mean, I was such foreign territory, and there's only three of us qualified that year: me, Tommy Whitaker, and Rodrigo Danelli. Oh, it wasn't Rodrigo, but it was another Brazilian guy. Mm. And uh, so there was a lot of people there had been there for some time. And the first heat I was in, I was against Sunny Garcia and Neko Paterats and i was just like i was so excited and i did something that i'd never normally do prior to a heat i did like this i was just thought i ne- needed to 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 lift myself to a point to surf in that event mm. where i should have just done my regular routine but instead i just went no i'm going to i did this crazy little workout to get warm we went for like an hour <laughs> 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 it was this oh, no. full on like pump up workout and i was like I'm just gonna get so warmed up, and I ended up like completely exhausting myself. Yeah, <laughs> what were the waves doing? Was it? At it was snapper? pumping snapper, yeah. like really, really good snapper. Mm. So I got down to the beach. I did this wild hours warm up in my hotel room with my dad watching me there, just like super excited. Like he was, he was just as excited as I was, and we were both like just out of our skins. And I get down to the event, and being a first time, you know, rookie coming into an event space surfing or just putting your board in the, the locker room and walking past these guys that kind of acknowledge you, but like, you know, you're the new kid on, you know, the block. And I was just super, I was super nervous, like mm. really nervous and surfing with all these people I looked up to. Mate, it for long your first
1: time. heat, Sonny Garcia yeah. and Nico Padarath. Like yeah. there, there's an occasion where Sonny chased Nico up the beach <laughs> and he climbed the scaffold into the judging tower and hid behind Perry Hatchett's leg.
2: <laughs> well, he we pretty, <laughs> well, we pretty much chased me, mate, in the first heat. Like, yeah. Where I remember being out there and I had, like, it was three-man heat, no priority. But there's kind of, like, this rule, like, you know, like you could, you, you, you could push your competitors a little deeper and there's a bit of cat and mouse. But generally, like, it's like when you get to that point, it's like you let your surfing do the talking. Mm. And Sunny, being, you know, world champ, he was so confident. He surfed so many heats. He just knows the drill. And same with Neko. Neko had been there for ages and I just had no idea of the drill. I didn't know there was this bit of a... Like, hey man, you got the inside, cool, just go for this wave and then I'll get the next one sort of thing. Like it wasn't too much cat and mouse because the waves are pumping, there's heaps of waves. There's no need to like jockey for a wave. This one wave came through and I kind of paddled for it and I was kind of keeping Sonny off and then I just pulled back at the last minute just to keep him off and he just looked at me, (laughs) growled like you wouldn't believe and he just goes, if you're going to go, fucking go, if not, fuck off. Oh. and just his huge... Welcome to the big leagues, brah. His huge oh, rig just stroked past me. I just saw, and he just paddled, like literally paddled over the top of my board, yeah. like little fins, donked it, and he was just like, he's pretty much saying, welcome to the tour, mate. But, and uh, when we don't you came like in that. from that
1: heat over at D-Bar,
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> or was it and up that, at the alley in Crumman?
2: <laughs> yeah, that just totally rattled me. Yeah. Yeah. I was done. I'd lost the heat. As soon as he yelled at me, I was like, oh my God, like I'm in a different... World, Like I have to, it was like, I've really got to adjust to mm. surf these heats. Like it's a, it's a much more mature. I come, I came from the QS where there was just so much jostling. I'm surfing these totally, completely different waves, four man heats, no priority. And it was a lot of it was like how aggressive you were in the lineup and a strategy of making sure you caught two waves. Like generally what you had to do was just make sure you got a 12 and you're going to get through a heat. Mm. It's not like that in the CT. Nah. And I learned that quickly.
1: So, uh, you would have gone into an elimination heat. Yeah. And yep. uh, who was that against? Do you remember?
2: Damien Hobgood just smoked me.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So when you, like, you've got all that build up, all that excitement, you've qualified, the dream is real, you get to your first heat uh, event, it's a hometown he- event, you've got all your family there, you get growled out by Sonic Garcia. Yeah. your tail goes so far between your legs, it's pretty much up your nose. <laughs> And then you get smashed by, you know, another experienced sort of, you know, high profile guy. What's that doing to you? Like, are you able, are you even capable of resetting after that sort of, you know, debut?
2: It, fortunately, I had a little bit, I think fortunately I had a little bit of maturity. Because again, I was 26. Mm. I wasn't a kid. Which actually works well in some ways and, and not so well in the others just because sometimes kids can just like wash it off way easier and they're, they're a little bit oblivious to yeah. the repercussions or what it actually means. But uh, it, it's a, it was a wake-up call. It was, it was like, mm, okay, I've got to change my strategy. But I was so excited just to be in the competitors area. I actually went back every day, watched every, pretty much every heat. Oh, I just wanted to sit in the competitors area in a chair and be around the atmosphere I was genuinely just so stoked to be there. I didn't really care about the result for that event. Um, But unfortunately, that happened for like five events in a row.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, no. Oh, Uh, Rookie nightmare. Rookie just... And
2: and I was actually the last of the rookies to get through a heat. I was in... We were in J-Bay. And so that was the sixth event mm. and, uh, and uh, Tommy Whitaker went out and he, in his three-man heat and he, and he won his three-man heat and he came in and I just was like, I was so stoked for him because we both hadn't got through a heat and he got through his heat at J-Bay and I was like, yes, Tommy, well done. And he's like, yes, dad. He goes, you're next, mate. You're next. And I just had a look at the draw and I was against Kelly Slater and again, Neko Paterats at J-Bay and I yeah. was just going, oh, this is not looking good. Like just oh far out but fortunately i had this really like as you know J bay sometimes you can get these really long lulls Mm. and i just managed to get i got an eight on my first wave and thought oh that's my highest scoring wave ever i can actually i can i can do this Mm. and then just surfed to smart heat patient i got a i got a six and then uh i was in the lead with like one and a half minutes to go and kelly paddled up to me and said oh congratulations like shook my hand and then just beelined it past me like paddled super aggressive past me because i had i had uh priority i was waiting there but then kind of in the last two minutes that that priority that that gentleman rule go out the window mm-hmm. it's like everyone goes for the wave and he paddled past me and i was like i wonder where he's going he's just said congratulations he's conceded but he's Bolting up the point, where's he going? And then I went, hang on, there's still a minute and a half left. If he catches a wave, he's going to, he could do, and I just sort of just sat there and went, shit, it's too late. He's gone mm. and he's bolting. I sort of paddled up. There was no way I was going to get him. He wanted to get that, that little last wedge. wave mm. right before the hooter go because the further you go up the point, the more advantage you have to get the set wave. And I was like, I couldn't believe it. And that was just like, that was my introduction to how, Crazier competitor Kelly was. who is never giving up. Who's always got this plan C D E kind of in place. The fuck. And I was like, and I fucking I, w- I won the heat, and I came in. It was like double fisting. It was like I won the event. <laughs> <laughs> I just beat Kelly so I was that. Started.
1: Oh mate, that sounds so good. I think I was there that year. Yeah, I turned up about two days after the comp, and you, me, and Tommy had a really good time celebrating your first round wins. <laughs> <laughs> Mate, um, scariest heat you ever surfed. Uh, this, this is kind of like open, you know. Is it someone you surfed against like uh, Sunny? Is it uh, a situation where the waves were just fucking terrifying? Was it because your career was on the line? Um, yeah, what, what do you consider, you know, now in retrospect, the, the scariest heat of your seven years on tour? Yeah, there's,
2: there's... There's the heats that you're scared about. If you don't perform well, you could fall off tour. Mm. And then there's the heats where you just like, the waves are like, just terrifying. Uh, and I, I've i had, we've all had both of those sort of heats. But the the one heat that I think was most challenging and most nerve wracking for me, and is the biggest sort of surf I've been in, I, I believe was at Sunset. Mm. And just we're on big boards, way bigger boards than everyone's riding there today on seven two seven threes and mate it's uh, it's when those waves come through it is like those huge west peaks it's it's and you've got you have to go you, you there's no like so you've got guys in the channel you're in a heat you just you put your head down your paddle and it's like a couple of like times and it's deep water sunset's really deep water so it's it's nerve-wracking being out there and oh, i was out there and i think i, I had one heat with Kurt Flintoff, and he was in the water with me, and we were—I was, was so scared, like I was—I was didn't want to be, in there I couldn't wait for the hooter to sound so I could go in. And I remember this: this one wave came through, and the whole ocean just sucked up off the reef, which is really hard for sunset because it's deep water. And I remember Kurt being caught on the inside, yelling out for help. And I was mate. I was looking at him and I was just like, "Mate, what do you want? What can I do?" He's like, "Luke, help!" I'm like, "Mate, <laughs> what can I do?" And, and his face was so petrified. And I remember just looking at it, just going, "Oh my god, do you think he's gonna die!" Like, and I just started laughing because it was. Oh, I was out far enough, but I think that that was. That Was the heat that I was most scared in, and I, I did want to go in, I didn't want to be out there. But Kirk got absolutely annihilated, and that kind of one heat just I'll never forget it.
1: Fuck man, it's it's wild because uh, look what Kirk's got on to do, yeah. You know, he's now like he's just charging just like <laughs> backside at like fucking triple overhead, three 33 lips at uh Cape Salander, and just packing it.
2: Yeah, he's but, about um, 80 kilos bigger these days, too. He's so st- oh, he's buffed and... But uh, I remember,
1: uh, you know, when you were in your, your Kiwi days and uh, I caddied for you at sunset on one of those big swells. <laughs> and you're like, oh, can you be my caddy? I was like, yeah, mate, no worries. And you sort of like run down jump into the water and I'm about to jump in and this uh, lifeguard comes up to me. He's like, sorry, brah, too big. You need a flipper or another board? And I was like, what? But I was like, oh, shit, Stedman's out there. What if he snaps his board? So I'm running around just going... Who's can lend me a board? And I, I finally that. get uh, Damon Guinness. Remember from, uh, he was on the quickie team from, from New Zealand and he lent me a board. So I'm paddling out, you know, through the shorey, timing it, getting out there. I finally get all the way out the back and the, the <laughs> hooter, the, the heat the 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 hooter blows. And I just see you surf past me back into the shore. <laughs> and I'm out there closing out channel with two boards on each, you know, each ankle. I'm like, no. <laughs> and you know what the, the gallery's like there as you're coming in. Yeah. It's the hardest shory to, to time to paddle in. Huh? And if you've got two boards, it's even worse. Ow. And sure enough, you know, I try to paddle down the back of this like sort of, you know, five foot shorey and it gets me down on the beach and I try and dig my legs in, but the two boards start pulling me out and all of a sudden your board goes over the falls and just knifes Damon Guinness's <laughs> board like a crucifix. <laughs> Just straight through it, and I was like, "No, brand new Pat Rawson." Oh, fuck! It was embarrassing. The whole place is just cheering me on. I was like, "Mate, sunset
2: sucks." <laughs> so scary. Yeah, and that was
1: a, that was a scary scene.
2: That's always entertaining. That's wild, mate.
1: That's wild. I was thinking of another uh, scary heat that you had, uh, and you you, you could go into this or not? But two thousand and eight Pipe Masters.
2: Yeah. I remember it well. Could
1: you <laughs> could you set that up? Can you can you sort of like uh, without uh, yeah. you know respectfully? Um, I just know that, and this is why I, I love this show because for a lot of people listening, a lot of people watching CT heats, they've got no clue about what's going on in the personal lives of people. Yeah. Uh, the fucking just normal life shit yeah. that can be. Playing some pretty fucking filthy cards when you've got to try and keep your career intact. Yeah. Um. Two thousand and eight. Uh. You may recall was a real brown water pipeline masters. Like really brown. I think Chris Ward and Kelly were in the final. Yeah. Kelly caught a wave where a little stingray jumped out and (laughs) gave Oki like the greatest thrill of his whole life. He was commentating. But yeah. Can you?
2: Are you talking about the heat where I got absolutely (laughs) pulled?
1: That's the one. (laughs)
2: So I had it, it was like, it was in, I think it was, it had Kelly's format. It was like uh, the crossover heats Mm. and no, maybe it wasn't, maybe it was still the four man heats, but uh, actually Kelly was paddling out at the end of the heat. And I remember Kyborg was on the ski and I was in a heat and Reef McIntosh needed a score to get through.
1: Reef McIntosh, pipeline, Reef McIntosh. McIntosh.
2: McIntosh, And I, it was actually the second time I'd had Reef in a in a heat um, out pipe. And you all know he's a specialist. He's, he's, he's incredible out there. He's, he's very, very good. Um, <laughs> and I was – I had – he needed a really small score to get through this heat. And I was in second and this one little wave out back door came through. And I remember just – Going for it. He was like a couple minutes minutes ago. He was, he looked at it. I went for it. I got up. I dropped down like a pretty solid wave. It was, and it was all brown water. It wasn't pretty. And I remember just bottom turning and got this lip just directly. It just kind of like it broke, felt like it just broke like a sledgehammer hitting me across the back of my ear. And I, for the first time in my life, I was underwater and I was seeing stars. Like Mm. I was, it, it hurt. And it, I had to really say to myself, Luke, stay conscious, Luke, stay conscious. And I was underwater and I remember coming up and it was the first time I'd actually getting like, you know, this there when you film, when you get the GoPro 360 view, Mm. I felt like that's what I was seeing when I came up. I was this 360, the world was spinning Obviously it wasn't, it was just my brain, not, it got rattled by this huge wave. And I remember just coming up in the ski, coming up and grabbing me. And fortunately those guys are so good. And they just yanked me and pulled me up. Like I was underwater. I just, they, they, I remember the guy lifted me. It felt like my whole body came out of the water. Those guys are so strong. They're Mm. so good at what they do. Got me in, got me on the back ski, take me, took me in and I had a concussion and they, They sat me down and they said, no, you can't, don't leave. I was my, I didn't have to surf again for that day. Fortunately, I got through the heat. Um, but, uh, that was a, it's, it's funny. Competition does interesting things. It, it, it brings out the best in you, but it can also sometimes bring out, uh, you just wouldn't normally do generally, which Mm. is why competition is so good because it lifts you. Um. But uh, that was kind of – that was definitely – that was the worst wipeout I've had in any event for sure, 100%. Um, and I remember Kelly yelling out from the lineup because I think Kai told me later, he goes, oh, Kelly just yelled out, oh, my God.
0: Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> I
1: was like, oh, great. <laughs> oh, man.
2: But um, – yeah, is is this the same year that everything was going down with? The- nah, that was that was that was another year. The, I because I, I remember ha-
1: seeing you. I, we bumped into each other on the beach, yeah. and and you hugged me like you'd never hugged anyone before. I think you were really, really rattled. So sorry, I got the year wrong, but yeah, I mean, um,
2: <sighs> that was the, that was a year I was I was I had a breakup. My um, marriage with Malia was it was it ended, and I sort of come back. On I had took a year off because I injured my my I broke my toe and tore the ligaments in my in my foot and broke my plantar fascia plate and I was on a boot for four months and took the whole year off to get back. I came back for a couple of events, but then had an impingement in my groin because I was walking on this boot for so long uh, and then injured myself at Lowers. Oh, sorry, in France. Um, what year was this one, mate? 2009 was my last year. Yeah. Um, and then so. I came back from tour. I was doing the, the that was my last event. The Pipe Masters was like my last CT event, um, and yeah, I was like, I remember, Spikey was playing on my board. It was the first event that he'd actually seen me in, mm. seen me compete in. And so this
1: is yours and Malia's. Son, yeah, this is my this is, Yeah, this is my son. And Malia, boat. for yep. people who don't know, is uh, a big personality and and a, a pretty well known entity on the north shore and had been ever since she was really young you guys got together got married and then had separated and you hadn't really been to hawaii since the separation
2: yeah no it was my first time back to hawaii this is fucking mind-blowing
1: man because like the North Shore is extremely small. <laughs> like, yeah.
2: Well, actually, I, I I was going back to Hawaii to see Spike, but it wasn't like I was going there to surf. I didn't spend mm-hmm. a lot of time in the in the community with with there were surfers. I was yeah. just going back just to see him. Um,
1: but without it being anyone's business, what's really going on? There was there was this sort of feeling of like,
2: oh man, it was awful.
1: Like you were going to be headhunted.
2: Yeah. I was. It was. There was. I felt super like you know, this, it's a, it's a tight community in Hawaii. There's a, everyone sort of, everyone's close. It's, it's, it's only a short beach. Everyone knows everyone. Everyone mm-hmm. knows what's happening in, uh, everyone's lives. And yeah, I just felt like like there was no way I could perform at my best. There was too much weight. There's too much, um, attention being too much of my attention being pulled in other directions to actually be able to compete well. And, just showed in my, my results, the whole, that whole year, it was Mm. just, they were were subpar. My confidence had totally gone. I just felt like I was, I just felt like people were, you know, just disappointed, um, in the sense of, uh, to any, when any marriage falls apart or or breaks, it's, there's always, um, There's always that sort of controversy about that as well, and everyone seems to, um, you know, have an opinion and whatnot, which is fine. But when you start placing a lot of that attention around yourself, it, it again, it just takes away what you should be focusing on. And yeah, it was a really, really challenging time, and that was that was pretty much my worst year ever yeah. <laughs> and on tour and trying to compete like that. And my last year was a pie, bar. my last heat was against Flynn Nova. Flynn Nova. And yeah, I just, it was, he, he smashed me. <laughs> I just had, I just had nothing. Um, and that, well,
1: that wasn't your last year on tour. That was
2: my very last event on tour. It was my last heat. So that was, uh, at the end of 2009.
1: And that was the end of the worst year of your life. That was
2: the end of the worst year of my life. Wow. Yeah.
1: I mean, that's that's like clean slate for that next year. You, it, you, like, where is your head at? And you know, you hear about transitions out of pro surfing. Seven years, a fucking long time, man. That's like yeah. And I was thirty. That's, s- the entire time you spend in a school, you know, yeah. like in, your, in your, your all your school years. Yeah. Um. Yeah. How How did you sort of where did you go after that?
2: Well, I was thirty six, turning thirty seven, so I, w- I definitely like being realistic it I I felt like I had done my best surfing and I'd been doing it for a long time and I was I was I was sort of interested to dive into something else that was fresh and new and could inspire me and sort of didn't want to want to be around that world anymore for a period of time as well just because it is a close-knit community and um I didn't, I just didn't feel like being around there anymore. So mm. I wanted, I, I, I wanted to go somewhere else. I did actually go the f- next year. I went and did a couple of QSs and I remember being at HB and watching the, uh, US Open and the surfing that was going down there was so insane. So like, I remember watching guys like Kolohe who were just about, who were just coming on tour at the time. And... They were surfing, so every wave they were getting, they were surfing above the lip. And I was just like, that is, I don't know if I can compete against that right now. Mm. And I just didn't feel like I wanted to engage heavily into committing myself to that program again. I was sort of like, oh, I'm a bit, I'm kind of tired from it. Mm. So I just, that was the event. I just went, I'm not coming back to do any more QSs. I'm done. Yeah. And I haven't done a heat. Yeah, I, th- I sort of just L. had this
1: image of you sitting in the water, watching those guys surf, and going, "What sort of animal can I turn into winter footwear?" <laughs> sort of like get, it's Let's uh, get inspired from Dad, baby. I don't know bison or uh, pelican <laughs> pelican fur pelican ug boots. Oh, that's that's amazing, man! Thanks so much for sharing that. No. That's uh, that's a wild part of your journey that I think a lot of people. And there might be a few people who know about it, but I, th- I think you know it's really healthy to talk about uh, those transition years because so many people come off to a uh, their identity so wrapped up in in being an athlete, in being a superstar, or or in being at that elite level, and not knowing how to detangle from it. Yeah. For Whereas, sure. like, I love that you're out in the water, just had the worst year of your life, and really looking forward to a new chapter.
2: Yeah. Well, I. I- Everyone competes in a different way, but I competed at my best when everything was going at its optimal, like, level. Mm. So when there was huge, like, clouds hanging around or just uh, t- complications or whatnot, I found it challenging. Like, I, but other guys competed so well. Like, Sonny could compete when he was angry, but that anger, that is an energy, and he just, that worked well for him. For me, not so well. Mm. Like, I needed to be, like, on a happy, kind of positive in a direction things needed to be going well for me. And, and so that was like how I sort of ran my life to make sure I was in a direction that was kind of effortless and fun and enjoyable and everything was going well. And then something like that happened. Like I was injured, the worst injury ever. I was walking around in a boot, just came off the best year tour of my life. Came finished like 11th in the world. I never thought I'd get there. I was 10th right up until pipe. And then, uh, then Broke up from a marriage. Like, to come back from that, I was just, I was, I, it was too I, challenging for me. That's actually amazing how often that happens, man. Yeah. Well, I
1: think Hogg got the seven in the world, fell off two the next year. Yeah. Uh, you know, uh, Wilco had a couple of years at number one. Yeah. And found himself not re-qualifying. Uh, Herring is probably the most famous example. You know, uh, finished fourth in the world a couple of times and then just disappeared. Yeah. Uh, you know, like, in, in a really short space of time, two years. So it's amazing just how quickly, you know, you can go from the ceiling to the to the uh, basement. Quickly. Yeah. All right, let's get back into a few more heats, brother. The heat that you wish you could surf again. And I reckon, uh, you know, this might be because it was really fun. You got pumping waves. Uh, or it might be because you've made a, just a crucial mistake. And, and look, what, what's the sort of the, the heat when you... Think about like, oh, I'd love to have another crack at that one. You know, is is it something yep. that you'd love to surf again because it was so good, or is it something that just keeps you up at night?
2: Yeah. I had a um was down at Bell's mm. and it was the first year like after this result at Bell's, I was like Tommy and I were talking about, I was like, I'm not doing the QS. And that was the big thing, like to be able to just to focus on one event, like focus on one tour. Yeah. And I made it all the way through to the semis. At at and I had Kelly in the in the semis and I was again like you get just intimidated from that name. Mm. It was one of those things. I was like oh, I've got Kelly like, and I, I that was in and and I think he still like people still feel like that when they got to go up against this guy because he's such he's a magician. Mm. He's just he's the world's best, and I had I in the semis. I had a really good run up until the semis. Like I was scoring like, you know, eight points, every heat, 16 points. Like I, I, I'd, I'd had some hard heats and I was, I was going really well. And I, and just because I had Kelly, i sort of just took my foot off the gas a little bit. And I didn't surf like I'd surfed in every heat because I was, I'd placed too much importance in I needed to lift again, which all I needed to do was surf my heat just mm. exactly the same way as I'd surfed any other heat in that event. And all I needed to do, all I needed was to get like a 6.5. I could... Oh, the, it was Kelly got through on a total of 13 points or something. And I needed a 6.5 to get through this, to make my first final ever. And I just... Surf this wave like an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> I just was—I was so out of rhythm yeah. and like just going into this wave instead of just like because I was—I got really, really good at being able to to when I'd f- to go through a wave. I was focusing on the technique, mm. and I was. I would say, I would run through my technique on every single wave, and those are the only thoughts that were going through my head. But then, this last wave, all the thoughts were going through my head is don't fuck this wave up. Yeah. Yeah. Do this turn. Don't fall off this turn here. Oh, wh- uh, that's the wrong turn. What are you doing that here? And it was like this my brain had completely taken over my whole body. Mm. And I finished the wave, and I just, it was like I just bowed my head and <sighs> I, uh, Oh, mate. I got like a five or something and it was, I just was like, oh my God, I could have smoked that. Yeah. And that could have made a final. All I wanted to do on tour was to get a trophy Mm. just so I could put it there on my mantelpiece so I could just see it (laughs) just to remind myself that I was there. But no, I got a third. Oh,
1: damn. (laughs) But mate, I mean, that's the power of Kelly. And uh, I mean, you know, even he knew that you were good enough to, to rattle him. So, like, I, I think that, you know, the fact that he was, like, paddling up to you and getting on your inside, but w- way back at J-Bay taught him something about you, you know, that you, you had the sort of staunchness to, to control the heat and stuff like that. But, you know, you were on the quickie team when you were super young, so you you were growing up in the full-blown era of Kelly Worship. Um, but your first year on tour, you know, uh, Andy and Kelly, they, they just went toe-to-toe. They won... I think there was like 20 events on tour that year or something like that. And they won 17 of them between the two of them. I think <laughs> Snake Lips won one, TB won Trestles maybe, and there was one other event. But, I mean, what was the front row seat to that year like in your rookie year? Were you just watching it going, oh, my God, am I fuck, am I just going to have to pack a swag and head <laughs> inland? Because uh, this could be a whole different sport compared to what I thought it was getting into.
2: Well, it actually, I, again, we were going to these places that, I'd never been to as well. So couple that in with like and treated like in this way where it was like royalty. Like mm. it was it was so overwhelming at times like you're turning up to these new places and just having these enormous amounts of um celebration sort of an excitement around the events and surfing new waves and it and then surfing against guys like Kelly and, and, and Andy and then watching them surf waves to, in a way that you were just like, I don't actually surf my wave like that. Like <laughs> <laughs> I have to learn how to surf my yeah. waves like that. And so it's such a huge learning curve. And then like I, looking back at it, like I remember when. Dino, Dino used to bring Clohe to these events. Like he used to bring him to Jay, but he used to bring Chloe to, to J Bay and have him surf these events. And then I was like, Whoa, "Wow, man, why do you bring? Like, it's crazy that you're bringing him here already." And then looking back, I was like, "That was the smartest move ever mm-hmm. because he's already getting an insight into what's happening and how it's happening, and then getting to surf the wave.
1: It's a real sort of." But it could have also burned him out because yeah, I mean, you know, like what you said earlier about if Clohe. Far out, all that money, all that hype. I mean, if you've been watching that yeah, stab so, series about so uh, how surfers get paid, yeah, it's, it's, brilliant. Just, it's almost like those kids, that generation in the wake of Andy and Kelly, you know, and all that growth in surfing, that's it it seemed to fry them in some way. Yeah. Like like, you know, it wasn't really until the Brazilians, like and your John Johns and that generation beneath, even though I think John, John and Chloe are from the same sort of era, but um, yeah, it does seem to have had a bit of a burnout effect, uh, with respect to, you know, Kolohei and that, cause they're highly achieving surface, yeah. but I mean, he's still yet to win a CT. You know what I mean?
2: Yeah, that's crazy. So, uh, it's, you're right. I, yeah,
1: but I mean, um, yeah, I mean, just just the energy around events. Yep. When those two were going at it, and as it was building towards yep. that climax, I mean, how was it being in a competitor's area when those two both walked in at the same time?
2: I think J Bay was the, is the one that I most remember the mm. final at J Bay, and it was the most ridiculous surfing. It was so it was so wild. It was like. Back you can hear Taj Burrow in a
1: lot of that footage, mate, screaming yeah. like he's a, was, a, he's on a carnival ride. <laughs> I was standing next to TB, yeah.
2: Like it was Jake and Hitchings and Tommy, we were all there, and it was like it was, and the whole crowd and the energy, and then this back and forth, and their competitive rivalry, and you hear all these stories, and it's just like this is too much going on, and it was, mm. and then. At the end, when Ke- Andy was walking back up the beach and he heard Kelly get the score and then you see Andy coming into the, the competitors area and he's upset. Like, it just <laughs> just what he would do and how he would do it was just like, far out. Like, that's what it takes to, to be that good. And I, I would just be happy to make the final and surf that well. But he was so pissed off mm. and frustrated and angry and i was just like wow it's just like that's not who i'm not that person like mm. i'm really not and and it was kind of interesting it's like well that's how you got to be to be at that level and i remember when tb used to lose heats as well he came in from a heat at in, in brazil when he lost to Renan and Rocha. and he absolutely annihilated his board up against a steel pole, came in, smashed to the smithereens, like literally blew it up. And I didn't know TB well at that time. It was my first year on tour. And I was just like, whoa, far out. I was like, is that bad sportsmanship? or is?" And then I was like, nah, that's just generally... The absolute worst frustration in yep. the world, and compare, and you have to have that. You have mm. to have it, and now well, I look you, back. You at don't the play- think
1: about John John uh TB uh, these happy go lucky kind of champions. Is uh, Chris Small is probably another good one. Yeah, but you know it's there.
2: Yeah, when they go behind the doors, mm. it's like, it's 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 they're they're angry.
1: <sighs> good stuff, <laughs> and, j- and just on Kelly, mate. Like you know, he, he knew you for a long time. He knew you since you was just a little kid. Like. How was his energy around you in the Rashi?
2: It was, he. well, he would, he would, he always kept pretty to himself, Kelly. Like he wasn't a guy that was super like conversationalist to everyone. He was pretty like collected and introverted. Mm. But then when he was in the Rashi, he's, it's like his whole demeanor changed and he kind of was this chatty, really wanted to connect with you at that time. And for me, it <laughs> was that hard for you? Yeah. That, you just want to bite. So for hard. me, I, I like. totally, totally you're did. Like, oh, like. Oh, <laughs> he's like, Oh, he wants to talk to me now. Sweet. And I totally like, <laughs> I like, I was like, I'm bonding with Kelly Slater. This is one of my highlights. Meanwhile, he's got four waves under your, Mate, he's just yeah. totally pulling the wool over, under my, over my eyes and like, taking away all my attention. Just, uh, and, and every time he did that, he beat me, but he did that to me every single time. Yeah. And it wasn't until the very end that I kind of w- wised up to it. And then, mm. of course, you listen to all the other guys and they're saying, this is what he likes to do. But I, I generally just like to talk to him. Like, it was it was fun. And I was, yeah, I was... Yeah. Maybe it's
1: me. not just Bills. Maybe it's every kid yeah. that you want to <laughs> <laughs> Um All right, let's go to... Uh, this is a good one. I reckon... Um, the heat you couldn't lose. Like the, the heat where you were just feeling it so hard. Like whether it was bells or or uh another another heat, but where your feet are in the wax, everything you're doing is just on song and you're just going, yeah, this this is this is why I'm here.
2: Well, so it <laughs> was the year um I the the same year the bells was on, and I said, I'm not doing the QS. Yeah. I'm just gonna commit to the C T. And of course, it comes around to me at pipe needing a result to qualify. I was like 33rd and you needed to be in the top 28. And mm. um, that was when I was 44. And I'd, I'd come, I was in Hawaii and I brought my dad with me and we were staying together. And that was the, and now and every time we would get to the end of the year, Jake Patterson would walk around with this sheet of paper and it was like, it, it got more and more colorful the further the event went on because there'd be like these green or pink lines going through, and it was like this it was like this, the scores people needed to get through to qualify. Yeah. So every time someone lost, a big pink line would go yeah. through the name. And uh, I remember having I had to start in heat two, I think, because the fir- very first heat was the, the wild cards would That's go up right. against the bottom seed. Yeah. Uh, and then so you got like 16 wild cards going against the 16 bottom of the CT, so a lot of the, those 16 wild cards got through, yeah. Um, and then I was in round two, I got seeds round two, and then I had to surf against uh, I actually think I had to surf against someone else on, on the CT at the time, but I had I. I remember going down every time we go to the beach. I'd have Jake, Tommy Whitaker, Richie Lovett, Ludes, and be a big posse of people. Hoyo, Luke Egan. I was huge, man. It was a sh- it was the first time. Oh, it was one of the one of the times you actually felt like you were competing in a club event, yeah. like a group sport event. Yeah, you surfers, had that. You had yeah, that, uh, camaraderie. camaraderie of everyone pushing, other, Yeah, pushing, incentivizing, giving confidence. Where mm. normally it's like, no, I'm. You're in your. you you're doing this on your own, and again. I was fortunate enough to have my old boy there and before each heat, he'd just give me this huge hug. And my dad's only about five, seven, he's mm. tiny. And he just, I remember he, it always, whenever he cuddles me, his chest hits my heart. Mm. Like it just goes flat. And he'd always put his ear in there and he'd give me a big hug and he'd just be like, and I could feel him shake. And we, he did that the first time. And I just felt like, um, cause I got my family and my old boy there. I was really excited to surf my heat. And, I went out there and I won my first heat and then I was into round three and that was the next day and I did the same thing down there. All the, everyone's down there. My dad gives me this huge hug and I'm nervous. I'm really nervous because my career's on the line and mm. it's the last event of the year and I go out and I can, again, I can't remember who I had in that heat, but I, I won that heat and then I'm into the round before quarters and that was the heat, and this four, four man heat. And in that heat, I had Kelly, Bruce Irons, and Reef McIntosh. And I had to get through that heat to qualify. Oh. Um,
1: Mate, and- you're talking heavyweights. <laughs> That's like you're, you're a little bantamweight, and you're getting in the ring with Tyson and yeah. Holyfield and Foreman and every, Ali and every single brute yep. that you could possibly get in with that at that time.
2: Yeah. I was, I, and, and all the guys like Tommy and... Because I, I traveled with Tommy and we were... And Jared Howes and we're all so... And Lukey Munro. We're all really close. We're all... And, you know, when the, the, when, they, when you need to, those guys will always say things to you that just make so much sense mm-hmm. at that time. And it's like... Rip their fucking heads off. Yeah, yeah. Very, very. But they just resonate with yeah. you. yeah And Tommy just... Mate, he 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 just looked at me and he just put his arms around me. And same with with Rich. And Rich was just saying, just don't worry about the don't worry about the what you need. Don't look at the don't look at Jake's sheet. Just focus on what you need to do. And I, I knew what I ne- I knew the results. I knew what I needed to do. I, I can't help but look at the laptop and understand what you need. Mm. But on the day of, no one would show me anything. Everyone was just like, Stead's eye, eye on the prize. Snake was just like this. We all relied on Snake for intuition like for sorry for for his intuition and and what would he do and he was like the guy that just you want in the trenches with you when you're at war Mm. we'd always lean on him for advice he's always so good and he'd always give it to us yeah and he was like the godfather and I again I remember my dad prior to that heat he's just looking at me and he was almost tearing up and he's just like you got this and he just head on the heart like here and I got went out there and Man, I I just I just stuck to my game plan and you know, Bruce and I I, I got through with I'd got really bowed back door. I was just getting picking these like meat like medium sized waves. Bruce and uh, and and Reef kinda like just were a bit out of rhythm. Kelly was dominating. Mm. He was smoking it and I was just like, I'm going for second. Uh, and I ended up like got a six and a seven and the time ticked down and Bruce and Reef third and fourth and came in and like, man, I just remember my dad, like I'll never forget it. Yeah. Like coming out of the water, just huge eyes, smiling, <laughs> just doing these <laughs> handshakes, these little handshakes, yeah. you know, like. Little T-Rex arms. Just yeah, <laughs> just go the ass. And <laughs> yeah. I qualified and I think that was like, I couldn't lose because I had that much energy behind me mm. it wasn't just for me that was i feel like the one time it wasn't just me competing it was had the whole australian community competing with me i was never gonna i was i wasn't gonna lose
1: fuck that's magic man you know <laughs> i mean you really tap into there like the success of the brazilian storm and yeah you know like that energy it just moves around it moves from group to group and uh, i remember that particular era of australian surfing and it was a magic time and uh yeah, I mean, Snake, yourself, Tommy, Rich. Um, there was a heap of them, Lukey Munro. Uh, there was just, Hoggy, of course, was hilarious in that time. Just such a chest beating Australian Massive. flag waver. And, uh, you know, I think everyone benefited from from yep. that energy. And uh, that's a magic story, man. But um, are you surprised, you know, having experienced that level of support and the wisdom and, and really the intuitive sort of, intelligence of of Snake and Tommy in particular, what they've gone on to do, you know, the high-level coaching, the way they're able to bring that knowledge and and everything they experienced, but particularly that energy, like feeding it into, you know, Steph Gilmore's eighth Mm -hmm. world title run, Kanoa and Griffin just launching into the stratosphere. Mm -hmm. Does that surprise you at all, knowing those guys?
2: No. No, it doesn't. And Tommy, like, if you... If you don't know much about tom he comes from this incredibly strong sporting fanatical family mm. i mean his brother played for australia rugby union um uh, both of his brothers were exceptional actually rugby union and, th- and then tom went into surfing and tom just has this he's he's he has this energy that he's able to uh uh translate or articulate into a way that it just boosts morale mm. and that's why he's so good. He's, he's level. He's, he's a level headed person. He thinks in a way he's got a really good understanding of strategy uh, and he's able to, uh, pass that on. And, and again, I think he's not only, and he's, he's an exceptional surfer. Like he was one of the best. Like yeah. he was, he performed at such a high level. Um, he finished top 10, I believe. Uh, f- he was, He was, uh, so if you, I believe that if you can surf at an exceptionally high level and then you're able to articulate ways to other people to ensure their best results, which is probably the most challenging thing Mm -hmm. that, that will give whoever is, he's working with or being, or being coached by just such an advantage. Such an event, and you look at it with Griffin and yep. Steph, and I mean, Griffin's confidence is ex- was exceptional, and I really enjoyed, w- w- like you know, following his journey through you know his diary entries and how he was being candid with that too, like going online and saying I was a bit nervous about posting this, but here it is, and mm-hmm. here's my diary entry, and here's yeah. what gave me the confidence to win, and yeah, I feel vulnerability, like- man, it's it's uh, it's. <laughs> You'd think it'd be a weakness, but you can get so much strength
1: out of it if, if you are, you know, aware of what your vulnerability is trying to tell you. Yeah, for sure. Yeah.
2: And I think as well, putting that stuff out there keeps you honest to what you should be doing and to continue doing that. Um, and I just feel as well for for helping his, like, his the next generation under him and help put, essentially – he's helping taking surfing to another level he's keeping it he's, he's 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 letting other people know that this is what you need to do to get to my level mm. so other people are going to start doing that and the level's just going to go up and i feel like that's insane that's awesome
1: fuck cool insights man yeah cool insights i love that um i reckon uh i'm gonna get you in for some uh you know like more pro surfy sort of uh we, we get Parco in, pick his nose for different things. <laughs> <laughs> get, get the little bobcat out, get up there. But um, yeah, it would be good to get your insights on, you know, uh, particularly things like the Challenger Series events coming up and, and things like that, just because uh, yeah, I really believe that uh, there's a grit that is celebrated now, but... I think, you know, you're probably one of the most underrated surfers when it comes to grid. Like seven years on tour in that era to me is, is pretty mind-blowing. And, and you look at your, the company you're keeping around you and I think there's a lot of similar stuff that these Aussies are tapping into now uh, in terms of that gang mentality, family mentality. Yeah, uh, family mentality. Yeah, it's, it's really nice to see. But all right, mate, a couple more. Um, <laughs> I, I love this question. Like, weirdest heat. Like, we're we in the water for, you know, Freddie's rock uh, I don't know, like, you know, a punch-on. Um, did, did you ever have a heat where you were just going, this is the weirdest shit ever? Like, is this pro surfing or is this a circus? I don't even know. Like, I mean, you were also on tour at a time where, you know, Fosters was sponsoring the yeah. world tour. So there was blowouts. <laughs> there was a lot of, you know, boozy heats being surfed, uh, especially when, you know, I was in Europe. I was out with you on some of <laughs> those <places. laughs> But yeah, I mean, why don't you sort of look back on and go, I can't believe that. That would never happen now. What, what was the weirdest thing you ever surfed uh, or saw?
2: I, I saw, uh, I was in um, Maldives and there was a competition at Lower Fushi there and it was a five-star, pretty sure it was an O'Neill event. Mm. And um, <laughs> it, it, Renan Rocha was competing in his mankinis, like the Speedos. <laughs> And I was like, he's running down for heats in his speed. I was like six, eight. Right? Yeah. He's, he's massive. Big you would never say, Hey dude, <laughs> <laughs> what are you doing? <laughs> but he was, he was competing. Uh, I think he was, you know, he, he was competing as another fellow Brazilian, um, a uh, little guy was wearing bra- braces. Finished top five, Victor Rebas. Victor Rebas,
1: and he was in his speedos as well. No, he wasn't. But oh, Victor, because he was known for yes, a bit of he was known for a bit of speedo. Smiling.
2: He was known for a bit of speedo. But Victor wasn't in his speedos. But, are both competing out there? And a call went against. I don't think Victor didn't get the score he was looking for. Now, if you've been to live Fushi it's like on this little. It's a left hand point break. Pretty much perfect for Victor Rebas. front sider, like absolutely goofy footer, just can tear it to pieces. Got to Tony's three, in, number three in the number world. Number three in the world, yeah. yeah. It was, who? Yeah, that was a wild year, huh? Yeah. Like yeah. he didn't even did well at pipe and stuff. Like really good server. great guy. Um, but he came. It's all rocks around Lowell Fushi He he got didn't get the score he needed. He came in and just started picking up rocks and pegging it oh, at the judges' tower. That. Yeah. Yeah. Like like. Like screaming, chucking rocks, like pegging, like you just, like, and like people are like running for cover and stuff. Anyway, yeah, a rock hit a judge in the head, like, right? Like, I'm pretty sure it took, a rock took someone out. Yeah. Like, and he got fined and he got serious. I think mm. he got banned from a couple of events and stuff. Like he was really angry. I, and, but I've never seen actually anyone really take to like, I'm going to, I'm going to storm the judging tower. Mm. <laughs> Mate, everyone was kicking back, just going, "Oh my god, this is so awesome, so oh, awesome!" Uh, and that and was meanwhile, Rannan's r- coming, coming from in from his banana <laughs> hammock, just in full
1: <laughs> swing mode. Orders a what, some sort of cocktail, and just kicks back under his beach umbrella.
2: Right, they used to love listening to dance music really loud, and they just would just all shirts off, just mankinis bronzing up. But poor Victor got sent back to his hotel room, and I don't think. Uh, yeah he didn't
1: end so well for him man that that era of brazilian surfers is so legendary like when i think back to it now it was always uh it was a hard thing to get behind in the momentum being a momentum generation kid because you know they they were i I guess their styles were informed by a different sort of thing that was going on but you know we had all that drop knee slater Mm. ross williams dorian sort of shit that we were inspired by that the Brazilians just came out with these wide-legged stances, often in, you know, pretty crazy, you know, fucking budgies or, yep. or whatever. Um, but, man, the characters. How were the characters, man? Like Pedersen Rosa, uh, Henan Rocha, Guillermi Herdy. <laughs> fucking the list goes on. And they were maniacs. <gasps> Neco Paterats. They were absolute heathens.
2: All of them. Yep. And, uh, they
1: had a good time.
2: Uh, they had the best. They ripped it. They did. <laughs> I still can't believe that, like, Gil Hermie Hurdy used to wear his leggy on his front foot. That was the most... That was a, that was an interesting one.
1: All right. You said before, and this is two to go. You said before that uh, you, you're not one for, for throwing a tantrum, for um, snapping a board or doing anything like that. But did you ever come close? Did you ever have to yep. word someone up or,
2: or, you know, really come to blows? Uh, never never came to to blows um never never got face to face with someone too aggressive i actually oh no well it wasn't me that was coming face to face i had this one heat at um oh uh, this is a good one i had this one heat. actually you were with me here too <laughs> Yes. <laughs> Where mundaka um and oh, if no. anyone knows mundaka like it it can be like six to eight feet at low tide and dead flat at high tide yeah. so they got to wait for the Wait for the tide to drop. And I was in heat one, round one. And I was with uh, Pedersen Rosa and um, Shay Lopez. Mm. And they, they sent us out. And it was looking like it was going to be pretty good. And they sent us out and it just didn't happen. Stop. It Flat. just went – it was really small, gutless. Pete Rosa just managed to find these little runners and like – T- tapped him and got like a cut, like pocket sixes. Uh, I had a four and a three, I think, or four and a two, nothing. Shay needed a 1.3 to get through the heat, mm. and I literally just didn't like we'd paddle up and down the point. I just didn't let him get the inside of him for like I think it was about 15 minutes, it was yeah. the longest time, and I was just being such a dick, yeah, like I just didn't let him get a wave. And it got down to like two minutes ago and Shay was screaming at oh. me in my face. Like the, he was just calling me the, he was like, yeah, give us, give us one. you fucking kook, <laughs> get the fuck out of my way. <laughs> like, like, what are you doing? You, you fucking, you're a put, like yeah. you, you're just the worst. Like, fuck i know i was just like yep no nah, fuck you yeah. yeah. <laughs> i'm gonna i'm gonna get through this heat and as the, as the time got less and less he swore more and more and got more upset but at that the time was running so low that i actually didn't really mind doing it but mm. i did it for so long when i got out there i was like yep i really 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 pushed the Ruined envelope there. there and yep. and then they called it off after that heat so they only had one heat called it off i'd got through Shay didn't because first and second went through. and then Shay literally had the time to drive all the way home, get on a plane, fly home, surf for four days. The next heat wasn't for a week later. Mm. You and I went to Barcelona. Barcelona. Yeah. <laughs> During the event. I mean, that's it was like.
1: That happen. So I'd love to, uh, yeah, love to share some stories from that way, <laughs> Kimber. Hell no, bro. Uh, the glory is the tour, Steady. Ah, that uh, oh, that's so. And then what? Like you know, how long does that stay simmering with it with a competitor? Like at the next event, is it just all rinsed off? Like, Do you yeah. see Shay and it's like no worries, or you know, like because I know that Andy, he could hold on to a grudge pretty, pretty solidly. You know.
2: Yeah, but, I think it was. Uh, I think it might've been Shay's last year on tour. Um, but yeah, the, I, I mean, like, we definitely weren't running up and high-fiving each other at the next event and nah. he's probably, he, uh, but yeah, it's, you do what you need to do to get through a heat. And I, I guess that was kind of my strong point as well. I was able to do that. I, di- I wasn't, I definitely wasn't the best surfer on tour, but I was tactically pretty sound and, I kind of knew what I needed to do to get through if, I, if the waves weren't exceptional. If the waves were exceptional, you got to have to do You surfing has to win um, just because there's heaps of opportunity. But when there's less opportunity, you need to sort of craft something that's going to allow mm-hmm. you to, to get the upper hand. Mate, uh, it's been a wonderful chat. It's uh, been awesome. Is
1: there anything I was going to ask that I didn't <laughs> ask that you had loaded up? I can't remember. No, mate. I man, thank you so much. I, I, it's been such a pleasure to uh, finally have a sit down. Of you know, being old mates, we don't really get to do it too no, often. This has You've been got heavy. two uh, young yep. young kids now, and um, mine are old. <laughs> They're like 18 <laughs> and 16, and ignoring me. Pick up the phone, boys. Even write a text to your old man, eh? Come on. But um, yeah, I just want to ask you. You know, from all your years on to a what was the best heat you ever saw? What was the one where you? Is it that J Bay one? Is that the the one that you sort of consider the high watermark? Or there you, there know, was, you saw you saw seven years of CT heats. Uh, what sort of stands out to you as the one that you just go lock that one away? That's that's as good as pro surfing gets.
2: Yeah, um, there was there was a few. Like watching Kelly at Pipe is is definitely just because. You just, you're there in the water with them pretty much. It's so close. I mean, you hear people talk about this all the time. Mm. You hear it. You see, you, you, you're right at the water's edge. He would just do things that is, and, and, and as well, Andy, Andy and Kelly at Pipe was, I think they had a final together. Um, when Andy won that's 2003 that was your first year yeah that was, sort of dog
1: shit little uh yeah, beach park almost
2: yeah but like Andy was still finding these waves and it was like back and forwards like um but i think Andy and Kelly definitely had, had that they had the most memorable heats they were doing things that was so insane i mean i remember um the the Mexico event that was like Andy was doing things that was mm. like, and he was so good too because he was the one guy who was able to like, he could go from getting like eight second barrels to like going, no, nah, I've got to switch now to turns and doing airs in the final against Taylor and like mm. winning heats. Like he was he was so entertaining all the time. And he's watching that sort of stuff was done a true champion sort of gear. It was awesome.
1: For sure, man. <laughs> You're going to let your kids become uh, – pro surfers if they want to or Absolutely. are you going to steer them into the uh winter footwear business
2: <laughs> right, uh, i'll um i'll steer them into whatever they uh find uh, it's not something that like surfing is not the be all and end all it's not like oh, oh, i'm trying i'm i'm uh grooming my kids to be world champ surfers i know spike who's 13 now who's coming out here we're going to go to the wave pool in, in urban and and surf down there and get barreled together hooting in a lineup and that sort of stuff is um, I love surfing with my kids Bodie who's only three she loves the water but Mm. yeah I I think surfing with your family with your kids is the ultimate and if they want to challenge themselves and put themselves into a position where they'd like to do something more of that then I'll 100% incentivize Uh, but you know how it is being a parent and then like wanting them to do something that they're not 100% into it just doesn't work (laughs)
1: Still, never forget the day. I've told it a million times on the potty, but Milo, he just—he uh, was about what seven, seven years old, and I'd pushed him into a few waves and all that. And I was on the beach with him, and I was like, "Hey, mate, uh, how about coming for, a, for catching a few waves with your old man? What do you reckon?" I looked at him, and he just walked backwards, <laughs> super slowly, and then he just started running. And we're at the path. I didn't stop running until he got to the wreck. He looked like a poppy seed. He was about 90 miles away. I was going,
0: fuck.
1: <laughs> ah, well. There's always golf.
2: <laughs> so good, Vaughn. So good. Love you, steady Love you, too, man. See mate. you, brother.
0: Are you winning for love? Are you winning for fame? Are you winning for the cheese and the glory? You got 30 minutes to prove your worth. Will you, man, call yourself in the glory? clock comes down, the screw turns tight Tell me, motherfucker, are you ready to fight? This is the fraction of your life A, a blink, blink of in the eye, eye. a, a twist, twist of the, of the night light. When your fate lies on the judging sheets You're caught in a way.